My friends be like, how come you not famous yet? I be like, you didn't share my shit. How come you ain't shared it yet? That's what I don't understand. That's what You know what? I don't understand that either. I'm going to be 100% honest with this man. I, have, I don't understand why people don't share my content if they enjoy it. None of this being the point. I actually wanted to talk to you all at the top of the show about everyone coming out and saying, Hey, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to go 82-0. and Undefeated, President's Trophy. We are going to be the greatest team to ever exist. And I just want everyone to know that, that is completely childish. That is tomfoolery. That is malarkey. We will not go 82-0. You need to stop being ridiculous. You need to be realistic. You need to grow up, be an adult, and be rational. We will go 98-0, people. What is wrong with you? It is 82 games in the regular season and then 16 wins in the playoffs. We will go 98-0, and and don't you forget it. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Welcome back to yet another episode of Home Ice Advantage. Right off the top, I'm going to say you should probably follow the show. Subscribe. Whatever your app of choice asks you to do, that's what you should do. There's been so many new listeners lately, but the surprising part is like 60% of you have listened to multiple episodes but have yet not subscribed to the show. So just putting that out there at the top. But the obvious first thing we're going to talk about is Game 1 against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Today's episode is going to be broken into four separate parts, so the first one is Game 1, and then we're going to have some news in the middle, and then Game 2 against uh, San Jose, wow, against San Jose, which happened Friday evening when I'm recording this, and then we will end with a little bit more news at the end, but just a tiny bit. Uh, But without further ado, let's get into it. The Carolina Hurricanes on Wednesday night opened their season at home against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, you know, going into the game, I I was confident. I was, I was more than confident. Go check my Twitter feed. Check the previous episode. I expected domination. And we kind of got it. But I think we got it in a historic, caniac way. And the way I mean that is that the first period of the game was bad. And I mean, like, bad bad like I don't know if we had played like that the full 60 minutes we didn't deserve to win type bad but luckily for us it didn't cost us we didn't lose uh the game and we eventually recovered but that first period is the most Carolina Hurricanes brand of hockey I've ever seen we don't play well in the first period they come to the locker room Rod Brindamore or Jeff Daniels or Tim Gleason's gonna have to talk to them or Jonas Stahl hey you know, whoever, listen, actually, let's not even name names. Whoever had to talk to them, talked to them, told them to get their head out of their, their asses, that this is no longer preseason. And then they came out in the second period ready to play with a goal being scored in the first 
11 seconds. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, I've just checked my notes here. It turns out uh, Columbus scored within the first 11 seconds of the first period. It was a turnover play. Jacob Slavin had the puck behind the net, was trying to send it up the boards to get it out of the zone. Patrick Laine stops it, sends it to the front of the net. Um, I, I forget who originally recovers it. Either way, it gets back to Laine, who puts a shot on net. It's actually kind of a soft goal, if I'm going to be 100% honest. It was a tough angle, and it feels like Brett Bournes could have done a little bit more to get in the way of the shot. But whatever, you know, we won, so I'm going to let it go. Columbus isn't going to beat us in a one nothing game. It's just not going to happen. So everything's fine unless they score two, right? Except that they almost did. <laughs> so they were on the power play, and there was, I don't know, I think like three seconds left. Or at this point, there's like six or seven seconds left. The power play itself looked really good last night. I'm not going to I'm sorry, not last night, but Wednesday night. I'm not going to lie about that. But a misplay kind of... Okay, so this is what this would happen. Uh, they try to get it out of the zone. A Columbus player intercepts it, goes taken in the zone, and Jordan Mornuck actually gets the puck away from him before Jordan loses a blade and falls onto the ice. And it, 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 the guy literally turns around, puts the shots on net. It, it would have been another soft goal if he hadn't been offsides. But luckily, he was offsides. So... All is fine, because they're still not going to win a 1-0 game. A couple of minutes after that, Seth Jarvis actually loses a board battle in Columbus's zone, but Ajo is able to pick up the puck and like poke check it back to Jarvis while Ajo is behind the net. Jarvis comes in front of the crease glove side and just kind of backhands it to the far side post, and it dings off perfectly. Jarvis is given a heavy hit in the corner board there by Gabrikov. In front, they'll score! Loose puck, Seth Jarvis! Knocks it past Tarasov and we're tied at one. Seth Jarvis just wants everyone to know that he does not believe in a sophomore slump. He is the first one to score a goal this season, and honestly, he played really well through the entire game, excluding the fourth period, because almost no one played well in the fourth period. And, you know, leaving that first period, I was worried. I'm not going to lie, I was worried. I was confident that we would win before the game, but after that first period, there's a lot of rust to shake off. And at a tied 1-1 game, everything just resets. It's not that anyone has the advantage, or sometimes you may have momentum, but realistically, it's just a fresh game. Until Martin Natchez carries the puck past the blue line. The confidence line passes it back and forth. So from Natchez to Kakanyemi to Svechnikov, back to Natchez, up to Brady Shea, who makes a beautiful one-timer shot while Kakanyemi and Svechnikov are both in front of the goal, creating havoc. And Brady beats him glove high. There was a wide-open net, thanks to Kakanyemi and Svechnikov boxing out the goalie. Not in the paint, of course. Nothing illegal here. But making sure it wasn't the easiest save in the world to make. That was a team goal there. Congratulations to Brady all the way, but that was a team goal. Now Natchez for Carolina, turning the puck the other way. Go, can you have me and Natchez? Natchez on the backhand. He'll pull up. Sets it on top. They'll score! 
Something I did forget to mention is right before Natures brings it up, Freddie Anderson has to stand on his head. There's a couple times here that Freddie Anderson makes good, if not incredible, saves. And this one was one of them. So he actually, it's actually funny, I'm sorry. He should have been scored on. Freddie Anderson should have been scored on. It should have been a 2-1 game. But uh, a Columbus Blue Jackets skater, I can't remember his name, didn't lift the puck up. Like, I saw it on his stick. I was 100% like, this is a goal. This is a goal. This sucks. We're going to be down again on opening night. Momentum's gone. But he didn't. He, like, picked it up and then just slammed it into Freddie's pads. He didn't pick it up and give it air and put it in the net, which is a massive misplay. So Freddie has the time to deflect it out. Natchez gets it, carries it into the Columbus zone, and you know the rest. We end the second period up to one. I'm happy. Everything is going well. I no longer want to scream on the top of my lungs because we're giving up a game that we should most definitely win in every scenario, no matter what. But it's fine. A little thing here is the second intermission is normally when Walt Ruff comes out. There was no Walt Ruff for this game. It's the home opener. No Walt Ruff was my fan service. This is this is what I paid for. But anyways, third period action was dominant, actually. Carolina did not play well in the first. We came back in the second and remembered how to play the game. We remembered that we were a cup contender. And in the third period, we weren't messing around. It's actually funny because for the first couple of seconds, or first couple of minutes of the third period, Columbus was kind of in control. They got some nice shots off. There was a face off. Uh, Freddie had to stop it. There was a face off. Got another couple of shots off. Freddie stops it. There's a face off. However, it did not take much time for Carolina to remember their dominance. And then they played that way for the rest of the game. The third period shot totals was 8 for Columbus, 20 for Carolina. Up until this point, the game's shot totals had actually been evenly matched. In the first period, both sides got 10. In the second period, Columbus had the slight edge of 14 to Carolina's 13. But again, in the third... It was 8 to 20. Carolina woke up, remembered who they are, and just for giggles, Martin Natchez decided, you know, he wants to show everyone that he's worth that bridge deal he signed in the offseason. In fact, not only was he worth that bridge deal, but he's going to be worth a long term deal at the end of those two seasons. In the third period, Natchez almost comes up with his deal. Hounsworth does come up with his deal. Gets it to Martin. Setback, step on off of one foot. Save made by Tarasov. Natchez to the rebound. He scores! Oh, persistence. Thy name is Marty Natchez. Marty Natchez completely creates this play here. So he's putting pressure on a Columbus Blue Jacket defender. The defender ends up overskating it. Natchez recovers the puck and sends it in between the dots to Jordan Marnuk. Marnuk collects the puck, controls it, and then sends it over to Stepan, who's wearing 21 this season, and this has nothing to do with how they scored the goal, but every time I see it, I think, oh, Nito Niederreiter. Ah, shit, no, he's in Nashville. Every time, but not my point. So Stepan has it, puts a shot on net from the glove side, so he's on the right side of the goal, doesn't get through. It's okay, though. The rebound shoots out into in between the dots again, where Martin Natchez is raiding. He grabs the puck, controls it, does a quick little spinorama type move, and then 
buries it in a wide open cage because the goalie had overextended. I actually kind of felt for Tarasov on this one because there wasn't much he could do. He had to get to his original position to stop the step-on shot. So once Natchez was at the center of the ice with no one there, what was he going to do? He'd already committed to the first stop and his defenders should have gone to the rebound. But it is what it is. Kane's up 3-1. And at this point, it's a fine evening. I don't need anything else. It's been a great night. But the Carolina Hurricanes were not done for the evening. They still need to make up for that poor first period. I sat through 20 minutes of hockey, and it was not great hockey. So how am I going to get rewarded? With an almost power play goal. Almost. Svechnikov will get it. Three seconds left, and Danforth will come out of the box. Haynes keeping the pressure on. Stasny behind the net. One-timer put on, and the save's made. Natchez was ready for that. And Svechnikov scores! Sharp angle! Andre Svechnikov lets it go, and the Canes go up 4-1. to one. Honestly, on the last goal, I said that Tarasov, you know, there's nothing he could do. This one? This one he wants back. So the power play is expiring. But our power play looked really good tonight. I'll get to that. And this is the second unit. And they're just circling it around the puck. So it's Fetch, Kakanyemi, you know, putting in the work. And you hear it. Natchez puts on a shot. Does not go through. There's a rebound. Collected by one Andrei Svechnikov. Interesting enough, again, uh, it wasn't in between the two face-off circles. But it was fairly close. It was, it was slightly in one of them. It was slightly in the left face-off circle. Svechnikov gets it, followed close behind by a defender, and just kind of puts a shot on net. And it's the it, it might be one of the tightest angled shots I've witnessed in person go through. And the part that makes it worse, if you're Tarasov, is that the screen that was created so that he didn't see it coming was a screen created by a Columbus Blue Jacket defender. He took his own goalie's eyes away, leading to Svechnikov getting a great goal. And honestly, I don't, I don't want to beat on Columbus too much. If you heard my conversation with Adam Gold, I don't expect Columbus to do much. It's something we disagree about, but I don't expect Columbus to do much. And when Line scored 11 seconds into the second, you know, it was like, it is what it is, but they still shouldn't win. Uh, by the way, uh, Line is out uh, three to four weeks uh, thanks to a hit from Brett Pesci. You never want to celebrate these things. It's, you know, sad to see. Hopefully he comes back better than ever. But when Line scores, I wasn't super worried, but I was a little worried. And, you know, the, the Canes do what they do. They start off slow. They're not on time for the game. As we used to say a lot, they arrived late. But once they got into gear, they were the cup contender they were supposed to be. And something I applaud them for a lot is the entire first period of the game, we did not commit a single penalty. In fact, we also did not commit a single penalty in the third period. There was only two penalties called in the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. One was on Brett Pesci for interference. I have, I've literally looked for it and cannot find the replay of this call. I was in the building. I didn't see it live. There wasn't one on the Jumbotron. I can't find one anywhere online. So I don't know. Maybe he interfered. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? But the second one, which was minutes after the Brett Pesci penalty expired, was called on Calvin DeHaan for tripping. And this, this was not tripping. 
the the Columbus player literally backs into him and then falls onto the ice, and they call DeHaan two minutes for tripping. Are you kidding me? You just handed them a power play. What is wrong with you? But my my overall point here isn't that officiating isn't the best ever. My overall point is that Columbus tried to draw penalties. Columbus was big about creating a scrum afterwards. Brett Bournes was not afraid to defend his teammates when he was called upon. But no one drew penalties. Like, I don't know, two years ago, this seems like a game where Andreas Vecchitikov would have been in the box two or three times for doing something stupid and overreacting to a Columbus Blue Jackets player, you know, slashing or pushing or shoving or whatever, whatever you want to call it, creating a ruckus. Tony D'Angelo also most likely would have gotten a penalty for the way Columbus was playing. It was a tactic of theirs to get in our players' heads and make them commit penalties. And I applaud them so much that they didn't. There was not stupid penalties tonight I can be upset about. My overreaction of this game is that I'm not overreacting. This is what I expected. There was a couple of things that excite me, but overall, I get it's the first season of the game. We're going to have to get more results. The first one is that we played an almost penalty-free hockey game. The Dahan one is not a penalty, so I'll, I won't count it, which leaves us with the Pesci one that I don't know about. So we could have maybe played a penalty-free hockey game, which excites me. If we can continue to do that, screw the division championship. I don't care about the division title. We will win the President's Trophy and sail to a Stanley Cup if we can commit a penalty or less per game. Again, this is an overreaction. I don't think we were going to play like that all season. But something else I wanted to look at it was Brett Bournes. Brett Bournes on the power play looked absolutely incredible. No, they did not cash one in, but oh my god, if it was not a productive power play. It looked amazing. In fact, Brett Bournes led the team with six shots on goal. 13 shot attempts. It's funny, in the first period, and actually throughout the game, I, I started to backpedal on my statement about shots, shots, you know, I played a song. It's a whole thing. But I, I wanted them to take shots. And then I was watching the game, and did I change my tune fast? All of a sudden, I was like, Kakanyemi, what are you doing? Look for the pass. Oh my god, Svechnikov, who takes that sharp-angled shot? First of all, he made it. I literally, he took that shot, and I was like, why would he do it? And then it went in, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's why I don't get paid $8 million a year to play this game. But that's something I'm going to have to get used to, because it, it, I didn't, I'm, I'm just not used to it. I like the idea of them taking shots, because then they can win 4-1 hockey games. But I don't like them taking stupid shots, which they took a lot of, but I think it's something I just have to get used to. I guess we'll see after the San Jose game, which has not started yet. I'm recording this slightly before it. I also wanted to talk about how the team performed in the dot. We were 61% on face-offs. In fact, the only player on the roster to be below 50 in the circle was Jordan Stahl at 44. <laughs> Literally, they hit the next closest person was Sebastian Ajo at 59. Those were the only two players to be below 60 in the dot. And again, this could be an overreaction from game one. I'm just enjoying myself. Jacob Slavin led the defensive group with, well, I guess he led all skaters with 23-14 of ice time. And then Ajo led all forwards at 18 minutes and 18 seconds, followed by Martin Natchez at 17.56. And in my head, Martin Natchez got that much ice time as a reward because holy hell did he not play well in this game. He had one goal and two assists 
score three points on the night. He ended up being voted the first star of the game by the media, followed by Freddie Anderson, and then Brady Shea. And from here, I guess we'll go into the locker room, and then we'll go over some news, and then we'll fly over to San Jose. But let's go to the locker room first. We'll start with our star of the game, Martin Natchez, who was asked what it was like to start a season with a three-point night. It's, of course, a long season, 82 games, but it still must be an incredible feeling. I mean, it's always good, you know. Uh, last, last season I had a little tough start. This season, you know, try to build myself in the, in the summer, kind of to be you know, a different player this year. And uh, obviously it's good to have this kind of start, and uh, especially for the boys. Next, we're going to turn over to Rod the Bod himself, who talks about have a, you know, I mean, I already spoke about it, but the terrible start to this game for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great start, for sure. I thought Columbus had a better of the play in early. Kind of expected that, to be quite honest. And we hadn't played in a long time. Some guys hadn't played in a real long time. So we definitely were a little behind the eight ball in the pace of the game. Uh, but, uh, you know, Freddie played really, really well tonight. I was, uh, you know, and it made some real big saves at key times and, you know, and then the game, I thought a third period started looking a little more like how we want to do it, and thought we kind of, I don't say take over the game, but certainly, you know, put it home. I would totally say we took over the game, but my name isn't Rod Brindamore. You guys don't trust me like that, so whatever. This next clip we're going to dive into is, you know what? No, actually, I will explain it. So, for anyone who hasn't been to opening night, uh, Pre-puck festivities include an introduction of the coaching staff, training staff, medical staff, and the players. When Rod Brindamore was announced, it was the loudest part of the pregame show, excluding when Trip Tracy sounded the siren, which was just a nice touching moment. But when Rod came out, the building erupted. I don't know about you. It doesn't surprise me. I don't know of a single Carolina Hurricanes fan who doesn't admire Rod Brendamore. Even the people who are lunatics and say that he shouldn't be the coach, which, guys, no, like, there is actually a small amount of people who believe Rod Brendamore has done all he can as coach and should move on. I don't know why they have that thought process, but they should really go seek help. But anyways, even they acknowledge that Rod Brendamore means almost everything to this franchise. So when he comes out, we are going to put our all into it. And when you can you while watching him on the Jumbotron, I could see the emotion in his face. Rod Brindamore is not one to be complimented. He does not like the outpouring of I, I don't want to say affection, but affection from fans. It's not like he's not gonna get mad about it. He just doesn't always feel comfortable with it. And he was asked about it post game. Well, it, it was actually, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I wasn't expecting that. And, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. I'm like, what can I say? It's, this is the game that's to both the players and, you know, coach just back there just doing his little thing. And But when you get that kind of motivation, it's, uh, it was special. And thank you for bringing that up because it's, uh, it's just bringing back a little emotion there because, you know, it's, uh, we got a great thing here, and I appreciate the people coming to So the first thing I'm going to apologize for is that Rod has a water bottle in his hand, like literally a bottle of water that's half drinking, and while he's talking at the podium, he keeps moving around. So you're going to hear water swish in the last clip, 
and the next one I'm about to play. There's absolutely nothing I can do about it. It's just Rod. And how dare you question his activities. But this next clip is going to be around the 25th anniversary season. And for those of you who don't know, and I don't understand how you don't, of the 25 seasons, well, 24 seasons that have been played in Carolina, Rod Brindamore has had some role within the franchise since Y2K. Since, like, January 14th, 2000, Rod Brindamore has had some type of role with the organization. So he's a part of a lot of these, you know, memorial moments. And once again, he was asked about it in postgame. Well, I think what makes it special is we're talking about talking about it, and I, I, I got to see, I think Sean Hill was on the pregame show, and, you know, we're, every once in a while I get a glance at something where there's a history of, you know, a flashback of, I saw the overtime goal in Toronto. They, they, just all these things that I was a part of and pretty special moments throughout the franchise. So I'm assuming that's what we're going to get a lot of this year, and that makes it pretty cool. That's going to wrap up the Columbus Blue Jackets game. If you're listening, you can notice that we are already 25 minutes into the show. I normally try to keep these around 45 minutes, and this one's going to go way over. But in fairness to me, I had a lot to talk about. So... The first thing we're going to talk about is just some breaking news the night of this San Jose game. Andre Kasha has come back to Raleigh with a possible concussion. He's in concussion protocol. And, I mean, that's just sad to hear. Um, he actually has a history with concussions. And at, at some point you have to ask, when is it going to start taking a toll on his non-playing life? And I don't know. Maybe hey, maybe he doesn't even have a concussion. He just had a he just had a migraine today. But even if that's true, that's probably as a, from a result of a previous concussion. So best wishes to Kasha as he travels back to Raleigh to get evaluated, and you know hopefully everything comes back clear. From there, I want to pivot to the general manager and president of your Carolina Hurricanes, Don Waddell, who did a media availability during the first intermission of the home opener. And he actually covered a lot of things in a short amount of time. We have naming rights, season ticket numbers, fans that want to win now and are a little upset that we haven't, Max Pacioretty, injury updates, and then Jersey ad news. So without further ado, we're going to start with naming rights. We are about halfway through the 90-day exclusive negotiation agreement with PNC Bank. And... I mean, Don was just asked, how is it going? Still named PNC. Um, we were working toward uh, an extension with them. I feel confident that we'll get something done here in the next little bit. So that's why we haven't taken their name off yet. He pivoted next into season tickets. And honestly, I don't feel like I need to set it up. I think I can just play the clip and you'll understand everything. Six years ago, we had 4,500 season ticket holders. and so we have almost 14,000 now. Uh, so we put the product on the ice and the fans have responded. And that's what I'm excited about that, uh, you know, where we are as a franchise, we've never been in better shape from a, a business standpoint. And obviously we can always get better, but fans are excited. We did a season ticket holder signing here on Monday night and it was incredible to turn out and the responses from people was all positive. So 14,000 season ticket members. Guys, the building can only hold 18,800 people, and they have to have general admission tickets available at every game. Keep your eyes open for a waiting list. Carolina hockey is stronger than ever. But he did kind of lie at the end. He said everything was positive. 
except he also talked about how some fans are in win-now mode and are starting to get upset that the team has not yet made it to the finals. People expect you know, to go all the way. It's hard. You know, it's, it's, I've been fortunate to be in a Stanley Cup team, and it's hard to do. So you know, we got to worry about uh, – we can't worry about the playoffs right now. we got to worry about these next uh, 82 games because we got to get to the playoffs. And once we get there, then hopefully the way we built our roster, we put ourselves in a position to take that next step. That is what it sounds like when a silverback gorilla is swatting a fly out of its face. Uh, he also gave an update on Max Pacioretty. It's going really good, actually. I saw the doctor the other day, uh, yesterday and uh, had a schedule for for a way the injury is being treated, but it's probably not ahead of schedule to get on the ice because you know you, you, you're you're dealing with something. Whether whether he comes back in the third week of January or the second week of February doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know the big thing for us is uh, he gets back for the stretch run and doesn't have any issues before. Like I've said, I think you know if, if things go the way we plan, you know he could be our trade deadline addition because. You know, at the trade deadline, you're always looking to add to your team, and you know you always have to give up draft picks and other players that you maybe don't want to. You're bringing him in your roster after missing the first, whatever it is, 45 games or so. Mm-hmm. It'd be a great, great addition for us. This is literally everything I wanted to hear. I didn't want them to rush Max back to where he's not, you know, at a playable level, and then he's just going to get injured again. I also didn't want the player to potentially lose years of his career an effort just to win us a cup and not even win us a cup but just increase our chances of winning a cup so to hear him say you know we don't want to rush him back is it's a chef's kiss great job don waddell he finishes talking about jersey ads and why there hasn't been a jersey ad or helmet ad sold this season in fact i think some hockey jersey purists will love what he had to say. Kind of. Yeah, I've decided that uh, we're not selling it right now, that's for sure. You know, I, I think the story behind the patches is a great thing for the league, obviously, but I think we counted the other day the 119 teams trying to sell patches, and I think there's five or six NHL teams that have had success. You know, everything came on the market at the same time. All the leagues decided they're going to do the same time. So, and, you know, maybe a year ago it would have been a little different, but... Um, not that I'm a, uh, uh, well, I am, but uh, worried about worried about, worried about uh, the economy. Uh, but the way the economy is right now is, you know, some of these big companies are, you know, they're laying off employees, and you know, it makes it hard for them to spend, you know, millions of dollars to put a patch on a jersey. So, uh, you know, the economy a year ago was rolling, and there's a lot of money being spent. And I think this past summer and currently. Um, you know, things haven't gone that well. So I think that plays a factor in it too. Because it's just not us. It's a lot of teams, not just the NHL, a lot of sports. If you're trying to read in between the lines here, it's that Don Waddell isn't getting the price he wants. He doesn't want to shortchange the organization and sign a five-year agreement for $2 million a year on something two years from now, he can get five or $6 million a year for It's basically what he is saying here. The economy is not doing well. Major companies are not willing to spend top dollar. So why put out a product and lower your asking price for the future? This is purely a business decision to maximize future potential. But from there, we can finally go into game two of the season. The Carolina Hurricanes at San Jose. Brett Burns' return to the Shark Tank. 
It is weird that it's his second game with Carolina that marks his return, but whatever. Either way, this is Bourne's return to San Jose. Okay, it is now 2.01 a.m. The game is officially over. The Carolina Hurricanes beat the St. Louis Sharks 2-1 in San Jose. There's so many different places I could take this from the jump. Uh, one is that the Svechnikov brothers just played a pickup game, and for some reason it was televised. Thing two, weirdly, Jacob Slavin had two breakaways this game. That It doesn't matter, I'm not going to bring that up again. It just happened, and, and that's weird to me, okay? Uh, and then, finally, Martin Natchez and the confidence line as a whole, so Svechnikov, Kakanyemi, and Natchez, they're going to take his place, guys. What a great night for those three. But we'll start from the top. 27 seconds into the game. It's it's a fresh game. You know, you, you want to win the face-off, get into the zone, start cycling around, see what you can do. No? Paul Stastny is going to, in fact, get called for a slash 27 seconds into the game? You know what? This one's on me. When I was talking about game one, which I recorded prior to the start of the San Jose game, I talked about how proud I was for the team not committing a penalty. Yes, penalties were called, but I don't think they were actually penalties, so I was fine with it. And then this game, whoo, they sure got me, didn't they? Not including the Chatfield fight that we will get to, or lack thereof. The Hurricanes had 10 penalty minutes tonight. It's as if they hoard me in the ether, and were like, oh my god. We didn't get a single penalty? No, no, we didn't commit a single penalty. Not a single one. You know what? We're going to have to catch up. And that they did, and they started early, 27 seconds into the game. The Hurricanes would eventually kill off the penalty, and the first period ended up being almost exactly the same as the first period against Columbus. There was a lot of misplays. Uh, you know, you, you could see the rust falling off them as they skated. But... Overall, you know, as long as you don't allow a, I don't know, let's say late period goal, everything should be fine. And we just start fresh in the second period, you get back in your headspace and everything's fine. Unless, and follow me on this one, unless a cheeky little Russian by the name of Svechnikov decides to score a goal. In fact, that's exactly what happened. Svechnikov would score with 2 minutes and 12 seconds left. Oh, Andre, how we love thou. Mr. Svechnikov. Uh, you know that was his brother, right? I'm sorry, excuse me? It was his brother who uh, scored that goal. Who, Yevini? Yevini Svechnikov? Yeah, sorry, that's the one. He plays for San Jose. He's actually quite talented, if I do say so myself. Yep, that's right. The wrong Svechnikov scored with 2 minutes and 12 seconds left in the first period. Yevini would end up putting the Sharks in the lead. 1-0. Period would end. Carolina would have the advantage on shots, but just barely, with it being 8-7. to seven. But it's all okay. You know what? We're going to do the same thing we were going to do before. We're going to go in the locker room. We're going to get in our headspace rate. We're going to talk about committing penalties. Because listen, Stastny, we love you, but no, no penalties. Just because Colin talked about it doesn't mean you have to commit penalties. We come back out to the ice. We get about a minute and a half in. And then guess what? No, like, really, try to, try to guess and 
see if you know what happened next. Sebastian Ajo was called for hooking. Yes, another penalty, less than two minutes into a period. Ugh. Okay, you know what? We'll recover, we'll recover, we'll recover, we'll recover. Everything will be fine. We are the Carolina Hurricanes, we are a cup contender. We will not commit another penalty. We will score two goals to be up by one at the end of this period. It's fine. Everything's going to be fine. We get to 12 minutes, 43 seconds into the game. And then guess what happened next? You wouldn't believe it. No, you wouldn't believe it. If you put all of the money you had into this, you would not get it right. The Carolina Hurricanes were called for a penalty. This time, Kakanyemi, another Finn, for the same crime of hooking. <sighs> so we're down one nothing. just as a quick recap. We're down one nothing. We were on our third penalty kill of the game. But it's fine, because that's how momentum works, right? You want to have the least amount of players on the ice? We get to the final two minutes of the second period, and i got to be honest with you, I'm starting to get worried again. Just like I was worried in the first period of the game against Columbus, and then line A scores 11 seconds in, I'm worried nearing the end of the second period. Because at this point, we are outpacing them dramatically. In the second period, the Hurricanes had 17 shots compared to the Sharks' 4. You know that number between 3 and 5? 4. And we still couldn't get a goal. Less than two minutes left, it's looking like James Reimer is going to have a Vesna-styled game, and we're going to lose with 70 shots on goal. And just as a capper on the situation, it's going to be a one nothing game. We will be shut out. This is so stupid. And the clock's counting down, and here we go. I'm going to be super disappointed. We're going to totally lose this game. We're going to go into the third period, lay a goose egg again. James Reimer is going to be declared the best goalie of all time. I hate all of this. Okay, under a minute. Whatever. You know what? Just keep going. Okay, under 30 seconds. LeBanc, though, has it taken away by Svechnikov to Natchez, and he'll score! What hands Martin Aches were tied at one late in the second. Oh thank the Lord. Martin Aches scores with 23 seconds left in the second period. The confidence line yet again proves that we should not underestimate them because they finally have their confidence. And I am happy. At this point, it's midnight. I'm tired. I didn't want to go into the third period losing this game to a team we should beat, but that's what it looked like we were going to do until Martin Natchez gets the puck, and, I mean, there's no... He beats Reimer 5-hole here. That's what ends up happening, if you haven't seen the clip. And he literally extends his shaft, like, the shaft of his stick up. Wow, this is, this is why you don't record a podcast at 2.30 in the morning. Anyways, he uses the shaft of his stick, and he brings the puck just up just a little bit to draw Reimer out of his net, and then pokes it in five-hole, because goals. And Martin Natchez is apparently on a revenge tour for everyone who said he needed to be traded in the offseason. But everything's cool now, because he's doing that. And we're tied game, so everything's going to come down to this final 20 minutes. And I'm fine with that. If if I have to bet my 20 minutes against San Jose's 20 minutes, my 20 minutes are going to win 99 times out of 100. I am perfectly fine with it. They're going to go into the locker room. They're going to talk about how they're not going to commit penalties. We're going to move on with their life. Everything's going to be okay. You know what? If I'm going to be honest, it 
it almost feels like I'm walking on something. Almost like pure daylight, maybe? You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Okay, so a minute 33 into the third period, the Carolina Hurricanes get called for another penalty, and I want to know who it is. Is it Brett Barnes? I swear to God if it was Brett Barnes. I swear to God. He's trying to hand the game to San Jose. That's what it is. This entire trade was a ruse to win this one game in October. He's only here for them to win this game. You know what? No. It's Svechnikov. Svechnikov is known for taking these stupid penalties, and I'm tired of it. Who made the offense? Oh, it was a bench miner. Too many men on the ice because Brady Shea got caught on the boards. What? I I would like to take this time to sincerely apologize to Brent Barnes and Andrei Svechnikov. The two of you have shown nothing but loyalty to our team and are valued members of the organization. A sincere apology. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, we're going to go ahead and skip a whole bunch of this. So... Eventually, and by eventually, I mean like six minutes later, Torbo, or Teravainen, excuse me, Teravainen, commits a penalty, it's a high stick, it's kind of whatever a high stick. Torbo did not have a good game, and he didn't have the best of games against Columbus, too. So let's just hope he, you know, again, it's the first two games of the season, let's not overreact. He's just getting back into the groove of things. Whatever. But I want to tell you something about tied games. Is normally in tied games, things start to get chippy. Or if you play Columbus, they're just going to try to get you to commit penalties. But in this case, the game didn't really get chippy. There was, you know, some shoving. Steven Lawrence actually ended up skating into the net. And if it was any other player, like if Carlson had skated into the net, there would have been a fight. But since it was Steven Lawrence, it was literally, you know, stick taps, smiles. They were chuckling about it. it was, guys, he, he was traded. That is, that is not your teammate. He came after your goalie. And I get it, Steven Lorenz, cute little fucking golden retriever, man. And that's absolutely no offense to Steven Lorenz, but it is what it is. But still, come on. <laughs> At least shove him a little bit. I mean, don't break anything, but, you know, ah, Stevie, then just shove him. I don't know. I might, again, it's at this point, it's 2.45 a.m. But anyways, Chatfield ends up getting in a fight with just over six minutes left in the game with Noah Grigor. From San Jose. Hopefully I pronounced that right. I'll never know. And this was a total nothing fight. There might have been six or seven punches thrown between the two of them. Absolutely none of them landed. None of them were even close. It ends up ending as Chatfield loses an edge, starts falling towards the ice, pulls the San Jose player with him, then jumps on top of him once they're on the ice. It was a complete nothing of a fight. But hey, it counts. Whatever. And, at this point, the Carolina Hurricanes are absolutely dominating the game. There is the occasional desperation play where Auntie Ranta has to make a save, and he made a couple of game-saving saves, including when they were in the lead. But as the game started drawing to a close, it was inevitable. Yes, it is tied, 1-1. But, as I said before, I feel confident in the Carolina Hurricanes dominating for 20 minutes worth of hockey. And they kind of did, but it it looks like we're going to overtime. It just is what it is, you know. It we're out in the West. 
you know what? I don't even care about the points. Let's go ahead. We'll take them to overtime. We'll beat them in the five minutes. We'll take our two points. They can have their point. And then we'll move on to the Kraken. But I guess Sebastian Ajo got tired of me talking about the confidence line. Now Ajo with it. Now loses an edge, but gets right back up. Finds Teravainen. Teravainen looking for Jarvis. Comes across for Pesci. They score! Pesci with a low drive. It gets past Reimer. And with a minute 58 left, it's Sebastian Ajo's first of the year on the deflection. And the Canes take a 2-1 lead. You know what? Bring the music back. Bring the music back. Yeah, there it is. I'm fine. I don't care anymore. We won. We got our two points. It counts against the standings. I'm done. I don't want to talk about anything else. It's 2.50 a.m. What is even left in this game to talk about? We won. We're moving on to the Kraken. Everyone have a good night. Yeah, that's uh, not how this works. You want to come up and finish talking about this game? Dude, who even are you? Can you just shut up and let me get some sleep? I am a, a figment of your imagination from a lack of sleep and just utter exhaustion. No, I cannot. That's not how this works. You finish the episode, and then you can sleep. If you've made it this far into this, I mean, bravo. Bravo. This is going to be like twice the length of a normal episode. And there's a ton of jokes in it. Never mind. Anyways, back to the game. So Brett Pesci led all skaters with time on ice at 23 minutes and 53 seconds. Sebastian Ajo led all forwards at 19.38, followed close behind by Terry Vinen at 19.01, and then once again Martin Natchez in the top three at 18.14. A couple more things I want to touch on before we leave this game is that James Rymore is a Bamf. James Reimer stood on his head more than a couple of times to keep San Jose in this game. Also, San Jose blocked a stupid amount of shots, like almost to the point where I feel like their players won't be able to walk tomorrow, but for them, they don't care because they just take that much pride in their block shots. So the Carolina Hurricanes blocked nine. That's, that seems average in a game, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's, that's great. San Jose blocked 22 shots. 22. They blocked more shots than shots they had on net. I'm just saying I was impressed by that. I 100% am impressed by that. And then also our penalty kill still undefeated on the year, except our power play has still not converted a single chance this year. It's two games in the season. It's early. Still 80 games to go, but something to acknowledge. If I had to choose three stars of the game, number three is Martin Natchez, because again, he has played incredibly through these first two games, and the line he's on, again, the confidence line, has just been producing. Number two is Sebastian Ajo. And honestly, I don't know if Sebastian Ajo deserves to be above Natchez, because Natchez had more scoring opportunities than I can even remember. And part of that is from the sleep deprivation, but mostly it's just because he had that many so I'm only giving the second star to Ajo because he's allowing me to go to sleep before 4 a.m. Gotta love Fishy. Pride of Finland. Great guy. And then my fourth star of the game has to be Rymor. Rymor stood on his head to keep San Jose in this game. It is not easy to stop the Carolina Hurricanes from scoring. And Rymor did that for almost 40 minutes straight.
that's going to do it for this episode of Home Ice Advantage. Please consider subscribing to the show, sharing with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back on Wednesday for our regularly scheduled program. The only game until then is the Kraken, and I am a very superstitious person, so I'm not going to predict that game. But I would not be shocked if Carolina was 3-0 when I came back to the show on Wednesday. We are not going to do any more news because I'm tired and did not realize how late I would have to stay up. Thank you again for listening. I will see you on Wednesday. I mean, I will talk to you on Wednesday. You guys don't see me. At least not yet. Watch that space. Have a good day, everyone.